Well, hello, I'm Kerry Brower. I'm the chief curator uh, uh, here at the Hirshhorn and uh, the co-curator of this exhibition. Um, and I want to welcome you all today and thank you so much for coming. We have a very, very special guest today, which we twisted his arm to convince him to, to speak today. Um, Danielle Moquet has been involved with the Eve Klein um, archives and estate now since 1968-ish, something that, this was after a major career, however, oh, yes. as an actor, uh, producer, oh, yes. director, uh, and, more. and more. I can't, I really, do. if I went on, there wouldn't be time for him to do the talk. So, um, however, Too shy, really. and, and uh, yes, yes, and doesn't want me to, to, to say anything. But I, I would like to say this, that this exhibition would not have been possible without the um, uh, absolute help and involvement of Danielle and uh, his wife, Rotrot, who was uh, Eve Klein's model and, and wife at the time. Klein died in 1962, as you know, at the age of 34. Without Danielle's involvement in this exhibition, it just simply wouldn't have happened. The uh, archives in Paris are a wonderful place. They have organized those archives uh, in an amazing way so that you could actually find things in the archive. We spent some time in the archive. He and Philippe Siov, his assistant, were amazing in helping us get this exhibition done. I want to say that, that the installation also, there was a great deal of Danielle's eye in doing this installation. So contrary to what Blake Gopnik said in the post today, praising the curators, which I certainly didn't mind and will take all the credit I possibly can, Danielle also played a major part in installing this exhibition and making it look uh, as beautiful uh, as it does. I just want to thank him, take this opportunity um, uh, to just say thanks for everything and making this exhibition possible. It's been a big success here at the Hirshhorn, and we're so happy it's here. I will say this in introducing Danielle. Well, there is probably nobody else in the entire world, including myself or um, Philippe Verne, my co-curator, who knows more about Eve Klein or Klaus Ottmann, who wrote for the book, who's standing next to me, um, than Danielle Moquet. So you are in the best of hands today with Danielle, and I'm looking forward to his talk. Thank you. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Kerry. Uh, I'm not very sure that I deserve all those uh, um, qualities that you just uh, spoke about, but I will try to uh, give you a kind of a journey into Eve Klein's soul and Eve Klein's work, which I feel speak very much by itself. Uh, I think Eve Klein I will not consider him just, uh, I do a forward, very quick one, as a painter. I think that he has more to do with a genius, which has been doing a lot of different things and searching, but the main quality, I think, is honesty. Uh, I read all the time, uh, he was the one who faked this, he was the one who did that, he was the one who sold the win, he is the one who did that. Well, maybe for some, it can be perceived like this, and I feel a little bit bad if you question all the time why this and why that. Why don't 
you let the question for the end, and if you have any question, I would be more than happy to answer if I have the answer. But try to go through and remember, you're going to see something which is 50 years old, and I have the feeling that it looks polycontemporary to me, and I hope that you're going to feel the same way. So please, we're going to go, and we're going to go through uh, something which is, of course, the icon uh, jump from uh, the place where the judo uh, tatami was across the street. Uh, I will, at the end, tell you what's happened with that place because it's also very interesting. So we talk also very much, we can tackle that right on, of Eve Klein being Catholic. Well, some do, some are Catholic, some are Muslim, Jewish, whatsoever. I never heard so much talking about religion about an artist, except Eve Klein is a Catholic. It seems to be a big disease for some intellectual. I mean, uh, I am not a Catholic, I don't care. I mean, uh, it's not a disease. I think that that was, is Catholicism was a little different one. He has a, a direct link with uh, the, the boss and him, you know, and has a very uh, easy way to, of doing it. But once again, he was uh, pretty much dedicated to Santa Rita di Cascia, which was uh, sent in Italy, which is the scent of the impossible. And uh, there is a lot of impossible things that uh, Klein tried to achieve, and the immaterial is one also of the impossible. Immaterial, what is immaterial really? Well, immaterial for me, at least, represent the most important thing there is. I mean, if you consider that having seven uh, color TV and two red cars in front of the garage and 12 pair of Nikes, this is the really important things. Maybe you can think about the memories, the love. You can think about uh, all the event who really are the one who really carry you and make you what you are today, which are totally immaterial, but are the one who really are important to normal human people. Because if we are just about material, I think we are, which maybe our society is a little bit guide to that, maybe we're in trouble. But anyway, let's go in and start with the images. Here you are in the exhibition which was made in Colette Lundy, and uh, that was the first show where he tried to materialize something. He is showing that wall which has been painted by him white, but of course he has to, like a mime, try to act and show you that structures, you look at it, look at the white wall, and hear the noise, gonna probably disrupt the uh, kind of uh, meditation. This is pretty much the famous meditation, the immaterial, which is something which is surface et bloc de sensibility pictural immaterial, which we're going to see that in all the books and all the catalog with someone, of course, criticized highly, 
but this is what he thought. He thought that, first of all, painting was about color and it was not about drawing. And you have the fight between color and drawing. You will see in the show some example where he show, and which he did during the conference in La Sorbonne in 1959 in June, where he, he trace a lot of line like this, cross them like that, going again and again. And of course, if you do that enough, suddenly all those lines become solid color. And he said, you see, the color is stronger than the line because the stronger the line, the color goes over the line all the time. Here you're gonna go into the really almost first attempt in, in monochrome. I should say that Yves Klein is the son of father and mother artist. One, the father come from Holland and he came in France in the 20s uh, following Van Gogh and going to Provence. And uh, he married a young lady, she was a bourgeois daughter who, who took some classes, uh, drawing classes, painting classes with him. They get in love and they get married in 1926 and Yves Klein was born in April 28, 1928. And uh, he, of course, did not want to become, like daddy and mommy, an artist. So he tried several things. But really, his first attempt was in 1949 and the 50-51. And here, if you come here, you see pretty much something which looked like the first show he did in 19. 45. So here you have on the left wall a painting which was made in 51-52 over there, monochromes. And all those monochrome polymers are from 55, particularly this one here, which was a very famous one coming. <laughs> and, and this uh, orange uh, one, because of course we talk about the blue because after the attempt in different monochrome of different colors, he realized that people, when they were looking at a wall like this, they say, well, big deal. I mean, this guy is pretty much doing what Mondrian did in one canvas. And instead of being one canvas where you have blue, you have yellow, you have red like Mondrian did, he did several colors and put them on the wall. So he decided that people were not getting what the message was supposed to be, which means he wants to ask the people to look at the color, at the strengths of the color, and say all colors have different meaning, different uh, strengths. The, the orange one was quite known because it was refused in 1955 au Salon des Realités Nouvelles, because you know in Paris by the time you have Salon. Salon des Impressionnistes, Salon of this, Salon of that, La Jeune Peinture. And this was Salon des Realités Nouvelles, who was run by a guy who is Auguste Herbin, a famous painter, friends of the parents of uh, Yves Klein. And he said, well, we can't accept it. And the reason why it's very easy, because this is not a painting. Why is not a painting? Because it's only one color. A painting, say Herbin, starts with two colors. So if you put a dot of another color into the orange one, we accept it. 
and he called his mom and said, you, your son is a pen in the ass. You know, tell him to put a dot, willing to, to do whatever, because we can't take it. Nobody wants to have it in the salon. So, of course, Yves Klein refused to put a dot, took the painting, went back, and it, it created a kind of a buzz, and say, well, it was refused and on. So this is, this wall here, uh, it's a bit difficult when you, uh, you have so many people to look at it, too, but you can see that there is a kind of a combination in different colors. Here you have something very unique, which is the metal one here this uh, uh, aluminum piece, you have also a white one because he did also about 11 or 12 uh, white monochromes. Uh, and after that, of course, he decided that, hey, it's time to change and it's time to really do something else. Just before the 1955 exhibit au Club des Solitaires in Paris, he was in Madrid because he was also uh, high-ranking black belt, force-down black belt judo. And he was the uh, trainer of the national team uh, in Spain, in Madrid. And at the same time, he had the opportunity through a friend of his to print something which is here, which was the first attempt to a real conceptual art, but we, nobody knew it was a conceptual art before we discovered it, because he presented like a catalog, a normal catalog of his creation. The problem is those sheets here, which are say uh, Tokyo, Madrid, Paris, whatever, with some dimension and supposed to be a catalog of his work, which also uh, forward as you can read here, I mean, that is international. You know, I have no problem, no translation needed. And uh, that was done by a friend of his, poet, Claude Pascal. And uh, those supposed to be paintings, in fact, were not painting. What is the piece of art is the catalog himself. But those never exist. So, but he knew that being the son of two painters, that having a catalog is something which is really important. So he brought them back. And in, in, in Paris, in, in the 50s, is really abstract painting. You know, this is really what's going on there. And uh, all those abstracts say, well, I can't recognize an abstract because he has the eyes of the abstract can't see, you know, they can't see color. So he was shooting this and telling them, look at that. And of course, it took us a little while to realize that in fact, that was not representation, but that was the piece. And it is maybe one of the first artist book of that era. So now we are very much into the blue color. 1955, here on the left-hand side, you have a monochrome. And in front, this is a very, very famous, scandalous, of course, because in Yves Klein, you all the time have a part of a scandal. Yves Klein, 
And of course, that is also something that people love to reproach to him, that uh, he was a showman. Well, try to sell a monochrome painting, Meg with a roller, in 1950, without trying to be a showman. You know, uh, it's hard enough today, but uh, we are 60 years later, and still people question this and that, but by the time, it was absolutely impossible. I mean, uh, and it was not taken seriously, and every time in Montparnasse, which is the Bohemian quarter in Paris, for the one who knows about it, uh, they were patting him in the back and say, when he was passing in front of La Coupole or the Select, say, hey Klein, always blue, huh? And, and of course, uh, he has not a very, very easy time. He was, uh, he, he had no money, he had to make a living, and uh, of course, he was trying very, very hard. This one here is very important. It was done, and all the dates are very, very significant for Yves Klein. That was a show done at uh, Iris Claire Gallery, which was a very tiny little gallery. The gallery itself, it's pretty much like from here to here, straight. That's it. And you can see, you know, and, and that was it. So here he decide for his 30th birthday, it's born 28 April, to do the uh, exhibition which is called as Le Vide, The Void. In fact, it is uh, the, the real title, which I never remember, is about uh, Sensibilité Picturelle Immaterielle, uh, Immaterial uh, Sensibility, uh, Pictural Sensibility. And uh, he, and this is something that maybe you're going to pick it up or maybe not, but I think it makes sense. When he has done monochrome, which is not a hell of a lot on a canvas, and if you believe that being an art object, why not believing that that fellow who is capable of doing a roller on a canvas, a painting, could not roll the wall, the space, the entire space, and fill it with he would have done on a canvas, which means with his sensibility. So he paint the entire space, make a kind of a mise-en-scene like this with a blue curtain outside. He, uh, he, he black up the, uh, the windows with blue paint outside. And inside, it was all white, except for the curtain. You know, you came in and it was all white, all white, painted white with his roller, he painted it and he make it such a way that he stay a couple of days into the place to fill it up with what he feel was his own sensibility. Because if you can find sensibility in a canvas, why not can you find some sensibility in the entire place? makes sense to me. So, of course, he organized a grandiose opening, and the grandiose opening 
was funny because you have the blue outside, the white inside, but the blue outside. And the blue outside was materialized by something even stronger, even better, which was the obelisk from La Concorde illuminated in blue. So you have an obelisk here, try to make it blue. It's not very, very easy. We try, by the way. And it was flat refused. And uh, when Yves Klein tried in Paris in 58, I don't know why, except that he was very convincing individual, and he convinced the authority to do it. And in fact, the 26th of April 1958, there he and the obelisk was blue. Fantastically beautiful blue. Except on the 28th, it was no more blue because somebody went to the mayor or the uh, prefet by then and said, this joker is uh, doing something about this. You can't allow that to happen. And cut, he could not. So uh, the blue obelisk only happened few hours in the 26th. Later on, it happened several times. Here, the story of this specialization of sensibility to l'état de matière première, picturale, stabilisée. You don't need to know the translation, say the void, it's enough. With the void, the full power. So, because of course, uh, I would not feel by the time that too many believers uh, was absolutely uh, seduced by uh, the show. But it, it was a step in the history of art, and I feel that the good thing about Yves Klein is when you look at those paintings, they look fresh. They look uh, today. They look uh, as ever, you know. They, they look really into it. And when you go into places where people know nothing about the artist, which happens quite often, they have the feeling that it was done yesterday. Here we have, of course, the luxury to have a fabulous room, marvelous space, Compared to the space I just described before, can you imagine what it is if Eve could have seen such a luxury? I mean, when he was doing in Colette Alindy, well, this was the first time. Colette Alindy, it is where, in the first room, he was showing the wall. I don't know, there is beeping somewhere. Ah, the way is too close. Okay, I'm sorry. So, uh, Colette Alindy, he had, like this, a screen on blue pigment. And this blue pigment, which of course the IKB, we, we call, because of, he tried to patent the color. First artist to try to patent a color, you know. Well, he did not patent the color. He just uh, did uh, what we call uh, envelope solo, in which he send this to the industrial property bureau to register what was made of, of ultramarine blue mixed with 
some varnish, with some alcohol, with some other ingredient. And this is what is the IKB, which is International Klein Blue. And of course, he said, I wish to keep the flamboyant, intense color of the pigment without uh, any kind of uh, ingredient. Because if you put uh, oil, it's not as intense that the pigment itself. And of course, it will be ideal if a painting can be a floor painting, and if people just look at the pigment itself. But people are not used to look at the work of art like this, at the horizontal level. So he find out with some chemist what to do and, and uh, make it in a different ways. And I think that thanks to uh, the chemist, he had something which was quite well. So the blue screen on the pigment and uh, it, when you look at the, at the film, you have a DVD also, but you have also the DVD shoot in one of those alcohols, and you will be able to look at it, and you will see all those historical shows that we had, because Yves Klein had very early on uh, the feeling that whatever he was doing 24 hours a day was a very important thing, so he has to be recorded, and he has friend's photographer who pretty much was following him step by step all day long because he said if you're an artist you're an artist 24 hours a day so everything you do is work of art so everything was recorded here this is something like we call the rain who belongs to the museum uh, dominil in uh, in houston texas he did two, uh, a blue one and a pink one. As, as you know, you will know looking at the show, he, he really worked a lot with three colors, the blue, the pink, and the gold. And he was supposed to do three uh, rain uh, in the show that he did in 1961 in Krefeld, Germany, but only two were achieved, the blue and the pink. And uh, this is a kind also of idea who has been then taken over by some other followers, friends, artists, like the Penetrable, where you can see that in Soto and some other artists, you know, going through that kind of thing. And here you have also other things which were the same period, those kind of blocks called blocks of sensibility here. And in the original show, it was eight. Uh, I recoup another one, and we also had also a fifth one. So the next show, we will have six pieces of those, uh, of the eight that he has been done. I don't know where the other two end up. But uh, that probably can remind you of Danjad uh, block of sensibility as well. That was made in 1956, I think, 56, 57. Here you have something from 59, which was a collaboration, which he did a lot of collaboration with other artists. This is with Jean Tinguely, who is a Swiss artist, Jean Tinguely, uh, who was doing a lot of uh, sculptures, uh, kinetic sculptures. So there's nothing worse than a kinetic sculpture doesn't move, but uh, it's supposed to move, uh, supposed to move. 
and uh, he, he moved, and he had, once again, at Iris Clare Gallery, several uh, shape and big one, smaller one, and they were moving, and that was also, it was called pure speed and uh, monochromatic stability. Uh, this was also something that he did later on in a, in a sculptures which was hanged at the Museum of Krefeld as well. Uh, you have to understand that suddenly the blue became the essence of everything. It has to be the blue going, powering everything else. He was quite happy to hear that uh, when Gagarin, the famous Russian, went into the space, when he went down on the earth, he said, the earth is blue. You can say, nothing new. I mean, of course. I mean, uh, <laughs> what do you think? I, I was telling it all the time. So, of course, you have also, you, you don't have to uh, uh, forget also that when an artist do something, he's not a politician, and he may also have a sense of humor. Instead of saying that the guy is Bologna and fake, try to understand that when he, 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 he sent a letter to the Geography Institute and telling that uh, there is the Red Sea, but why not the Blue Sea? And I'm capable to, to die, or any ocean in blue, you know. Uh, just ask me the recipe. I'm not very sure he was extremely serious about the idea, you know. I think that, and he said also in the same letters, no problem for the, go uh, the goldfish. So I have the feeling that he knew it was a kind of a funny things to say and to do. So here you have, in the anthropometry you look at, this is what he called static anthropometry. You see, the second one from left is a female book on the canvas. That's static. Then you have all the ones which are dynamic. The dynamic, no, 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 not so much. The dynamic is really like this, you know, when, when the, the lady is doing it. Then you have, here, you have negative, positive, and negative, which is quite obvious. He, he has his spray gun, and he was, of course, spraying the, the contour of the body. Uh, and after that, you have here what we call battle. It was really a kind of a mud wrestling type of scene. <laughs> and uh, that is the battle. So, where the model crawls into it. Now we are going to, uh, I hope that I don't take too much of your time. Otherwise, you are for sandwiches, huh? <laughs> no, no lunch. Here you have, uh, we are more now into the event. Yves went to uh, the paint, to the pigment, and the space, and here you have what he called here, 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 the cosmogony. Cosmogony, after the imprint of the body, this is the imprint of the element. This is the imprint of the wind. This painting and that painting were done 
in the famous trip that he did from Paris to Nice on the top of his car. He put the painting on the top of his car, put the painting like this, and drove uh, 1,100 kilometers, and that's the result. And he said, you know, I have to drive, no matter what, losing time. Why I take the opportunity to do a work of art? So he put the, the canvas on the top of it, and here it goes. What it takes by then, I mean, something like 11 hours, and he said, marvelous. You know, in 11 hours, he get older than maybe 30 years older, because uh, look at all the elements. Of course, this day was not raining, but you have the wind here, who, and the sun, who really make it much, much aged in, in no time. Here you have another one, which is done by the rain. This is the rain. He was spraying with his spray gun. And of course, he has the cardboard and the canvas here. And those are the drops. If you look at these people, those are the drops of the rain. That should be a tiny little rain. Because when it is stormy, you have big drops like this. And it's much more pale. Than, than, than this. This is a dark one, so it was probably a little greasy type of, of thing. In the back, you have what is called uh, a planetary relief. On the left-hand side, of course, you have the globe. You know, the famous globe, which is blue. Here you are. And uh, uh, you have also the planetary relief. Over there, of course, is March. Mars. No, March. Mars, the, the, the pink one, and you have another one there, which is a very much like the moon. And here, he did that, this one here on the left, he did that because it was at the beginning of the new uh, geography map. They were made in uh, that kind of very thin plastic, because before you remember when we went to school at my age at least, it was no that kind of thing, it was flat. And suddenly, in the 50s, 60s, you start to have some map in relief. So he took an imprint of one of them, did a mold, and then that is the result. This one is in fiberglass, not other being cast in bronze, but this one is a fiberglass. So here you have the kind of idea of trying to track whatever imprint there is. Now we have seen uh, imprint of bodies, imprint of wind and water, imprint of the maps, and we're going to go now and see uh, the fire, what he has done with fire, which is also remarkable. Here you have, he did here, he was on uh, the Blue River next to Nice. And it took the imprint of the wind and also some little bamboos here. And you can see this is bamboo, this is bamboo, this is one. And here you have probably the wind going on, and he, with a spray gun again, you know, shoot through it. Here, this is something also on the same point, just a little different. And here you have, you know, kind of things which is, he was obsessed by trying to record what was happening around and, and then put it in like a, 
like curiosity type of, of thing. He was, he was a fellow very much uh, of his uh, uh, era, which was, remember, the 50s and 60s. This is when we believe that technique going to change the world and we're going to be all of us capable of flying and going here and there and of course he wants the artist to be at the base of the political decision at the base of the architectural decision because you say listen if you let the architect do your home it's going to be a disaster because uh, they ask us artists to just put a sculpture to paint the lobby but what we want as an artist is to tell our sensibility. I think that if we have sensibility, we should exert free from the beginning of the, uh, the project. And he, he requests a lot of things. He was kicked out from different places. You will see at the end uh, the climatisation de l'espace. He wants to climatize the, 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 the entire space. He wants to have uh, air roof to make people live under a kind of a roof made out of air, strong air that you couldn't climatize, uh, air condition, uh, no rain, no this, no that. Unfortunately, uh, it's still to come. Uh, so far, we did not find a technique to realize that. There's quite a few different things here, for example. This is what it's called the sculpture tactile. Well, to you and to me, it looks like a box. And uh, in fact, this is a model of what you wish to realize. And in that box, it should be a lot of sensibility. Because of course, people are guided by what they see and how they react. Here, this is a contrary. You don't see anything what is in. But you can put your hand and try to touch. Now, of course, the idea was against sensibility, sensuality, because, of course, what could be more evocative than a body inside that you don't see, you don't know who is there, and you just touch and you can see and who, how it reacts, the, the skin, the, the feeling of it. Unfortunately, he tried, but he realized that in the 50s or the 60s, uh, people will probably squeeze, uh, or by then people smoke a lot, so they can also uh, you know, try to see if there is reaction into it. So he put, instead of being a nude model, male or female, he put some kind of a wigs and, and a gloomy type of thing, you know, this kind of a ugly, spooky things that the kids love, the green stuff and they, they put their hands on, you know, that, that is what it is. So it's not as sensuous as a model, but here you have an ex-voto done by Yves which was dedicated to Santarita di Cascia, the famous Santarita di Cascia, in, in which he has a couple of prayers that he wrote and wrote and put it in. And uh, I think that I will refer you to the catalog, which is probably very well explained, and uh, uh, you will have a better idea. Here we have three small letters 
of, of gold. Those three lingots came from uh, the cell of immaterial work of art. Immaterial work of art, I make it very quick. I can give you a crash course of 5,000 years of history in two minutes. Uh, if I decide, after doing the uh, white wall, that it doesn't need to do anything else, the fact that he was the artist and he had, you know, something with the spectators, uh, that was enough. But of course, it's not enough if there is no exchange. And it has to be an exchange. The exchange is what? Well, in our society, the exchange is into exchanging money against a service. Okay, so he's the artist, and he said, hey, I will sell you an immaterial work of art. And of course, the immaterial work of art, immaterial work of art can't be paid cash with money. No, no, no. It has to be paid in gold. So, you have different prices for different material, and you go, you bring me some gold, linger, and I will sign a receipt. We go next to natural uh, river or sea or nature, and you give me the linger, I sign you a receipt. But if you keep the receipt and keep the linen, there is no immaterial. So what can we do? Well, you burn the receipt, I throw half of the linen that you give me to the river or to the sea, disappear. I give 10% for the witness, that's it. And I keep the rest because I'm a professional artist. I have to make a <laughs> And, of course, well, I know of people who did it. I know people who went into it, and particularly a gentleman who was a scriptwriter in Hollywood, and uh, he told me, he was a collector, quite a large collector, Michael Blankford, and uh, when he has his retrospective of his collection at the... Uh, uh, LACMA in Los Angeles told me, you know, Daniel, of all the work of art I had, he had other uh, monochrome and uh, anthropometry of his time. He said, of all the work I have, there is three which are the most important things for me. And one of them is the immaterial work of art that I had purchased from me. I was completely in ecstasy during the old period that we were doing it, I heard that Notre Dame uh, bells were ringing, I did not hear it. I was completely fascinated by what we were doing, and anywhere I went, when I went in Israel, when I was there, when I was, no matter what, you know, I carried it with me. I carried the material with me. And I believe that what you carry with you is effectively the material, which maybe sometimes materializes more than the big car or the pair of shoes or the whatever. Uh, yes, immaterial is something that you can think of all the time, anywhere, and it's pretty much solid. So that is the material. Here you have what is called CG espace. 
he laid the space and otherwise called uh, the grave. Uh, this is something that we know, we, we donated to the Pompidou Museum in Paris. And you have a little bit of everything here. You have the monogold, you have the sponge as a crown, and you have the uh, roses. Roses come from Santa Rita di Cascia, because Santa Rita di Cascia is the one who was uh, hurt by some spin of the roses and cure everything and everyone when they go in pilgrimage. By the way, uh, Cassia is the second Catholic pilgrimage in the world. So there are over a million people every year going there asking for whatever. And uh, by the way, something which is even more spooky is the one in cheesy that I have a spooky story for you. You have seen him jumping from uh, uh, in the street like this. And uh, after a show, someone called uh, the house in, the, in Phoenix. And uh, my wife was there, I was in Paris. And he called from Paris and said, uh, you made a mistake when you did the, the catalog of the show in 95, uh, because uh, when he jumped, was not five, Jean-Ti Bernard, but number three. I said, okay, okay, sorry. You know, sometimes you get telephone calls, like solicitation call, you know, you care a little bit less. But uh, I said, okay. I said, but uh, we're gonna, when we republish it, we're gonna change. And I said, but what is there? Uh, the house is still there? He said, no, the house is not there anymore. I said, what is there? He said, uh, well, nothing. I mean, there is a, there is a church. Yes, which kind of church? Say, well, that's a church dedicated to Santa Rita di Cascia. Thirty years later, then where Ifkan jumped to that real place, it was a house. Before, thirty years later, it became a church dedicated to Santa Rita di Cascia. In France, you have a handful of church dedicated to Santa Rita di Cascia. So this is for the spooky section. And, uh, so you may think of it, you know, immaterial is still alive. So let's go to something else. And this is a rare example of a fire, a colored fire. You see the blue and the pink into it, the silhouette of the two models. Here over there is just this one of uh, the bodies. And of course, the buddy, he was putting some water, and I want him to remind the mother, she said, he was freezing. <laughs> the water was freezing. And he was naked, and he was... And of course, they put their buddy up to the couple. And of course, after the buddy, the, the couple has been wet, wet. He put the flame on it, and of course, where the body appeared, the fire was, of course, going more into the wet section. That's the reason when it's darker, when it was wet, and much more pale on the other one. And that was one day. It was supposed to be two days working there. But, of course, the walkers of the Gans de France are not more stupid than others. And they put ladders in front of the glass of the warehouse upstairs. And instead of going 
were looking at the new model. <laughs> they were probably very interested in the art. I have to Cascade, you know, like really uh, uh, waterfall. You know, that was done, of course, with the old and with the imprint of the fire. Here on the left hand side, this one is very remarkable because you can see the body floating. You can see the body here. If you look closer, you can see here you have a body coming here. Long. 
So he had to make it in section, and that was, of course, done in the apartment. The text was written by part with Pierre Stani. The other one was by uh, Don Pascal, and uh, Armand participate. So you have a little bit of everything here, and uh, it's hard. The idea to display of Yves was to do a box, and it goes like this, it, it, it rolls and rolls and rolls, but that is rather delicate. So far, we did not uh, attempt to do that. Maybe if we find the right thing to do it, we can do it, and it will go to like the, uh, the advertiser, you see. But so far, uh, it's either going flat on 14 meters long, or having it like this. But this is also a kind of another experiment, and this is also something that we did in collaboration with other artists, which has been all the time is, is ID, try to collaborate, exchange ID. Uh, here you have, you know, this is a collaboration he did, that was for the Trocadero with Claude Parent, which is a quite famous architect who had a very important perspective in the Architecture Museum in Paris uh, last, uh, this year. And uh, that is a very interesting thing, where you have water fountain and fire fountain. And you have, of course, here, you know that, I'm sorry, the, 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 the two elements together. Here you have the water fountain, fire fountain, and you have, of course, a mist of the uh, uh, fume going up. And uh, so, same thing here. Here you have a project which will also have been done by Paul Carroll because he was the one in Noah to go, which was not a guest of his time. And uh, he, you have the kind of a roof, air roof on the top, and you have people levitating because they have kind of uh, air coming from down or on the side, and you can sit and lay, and which was, of course, something like a fiction science by the time. He went also to see the uh, president of Air, uh, Air Liquide, Liquid Air in France, which is a major company on the, on the uh, camp of, uh, uh, of air in the world. He was introduced by a French uh, engineer, and uh, which is not very easy, you know, French are not very friendly to open their door to no newcomers. So he obtained that the meeting, went into it, and uh, after half an hour, he, he tried to convince the guy that it would be nice to do some beds like this, where people can lay and only the air, you know, like a ping pong uh, a ball on the water, you know, laying like this would be nice, and you can be sitting like that. So, very politely, the guy listened for half an hour. Then he said, okay, thank you very much, thank you for coming. Then he called the engineer, he said, when you have a crazy guy like this, please keep them with you, don't send them to me. I, I, I have no use for them, you know, so... You see, a great artist has been received sometime, I mean... Uh, but at least he could open the door. He went into the office, which is more than... And this uh, painting belongs to Tokyo Museum, and they have been nice enough to lend it to us. 
And uh, here you're going to see at the end, because we are at the end of the display of the painting, but you still do have a kind of bio-chronology on the left-hand side of the staircase where you can fully much see a lot of the memorabilia that you see, which is quite interesting. You have here uh, one of the latest things, which is the portrait of Armand, his body, another body artist. 83 of those, one with Armand, one with Martial Reyes, which is another artist, and with Claude Pascal, which is a French poet, who did the four words that you remember very well at the book, at the first one book, you see? So that is, that is the Claude Pascal. This one is Armand. And here you have, to end the show, the same thing, uh, the guy uh, jumping from a uh, place which today no longer exists, today you have a church instead of this uh, uh, wall and uh, here we have, you know, we, we started with it, we ended with this and people of course ask, uh, and especially Claude Lamont's friend, architect, ask him, but how do you did that? What do you mean? Say, did you jump? And he said, yes. And Claude Pascal say, but don't come on say, I never asked any other question, it would be challenging. You know, but of course, it's not the case of the very, very great art critics, and they want to know how they do If he hurt himself, <laughs> how many times did he jump? Is it the montage or the montage? Because of course, the idea is not try to evoke elevation of the body and soul. Is, is it real or not? So I let it come to you. You believe you believe whatever you want, but in fact, the photo show that is going up. And honestly, he's up now for a long time because he died on June 6, uh, 1962. And uh, by then, his wife was uh, seven months pregnant and uh, she gave birth to his son in August 6, 1962. And I want to thank you very, very much, all of you, to listen to me that long. Thank you.